0: وَاتَّقُ اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيباً وَقال النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ صِلْمَنْ قَطَعَكَ وَعَفُو عَمَّا ضَلَمَكَ وَأَحْسَنَ إلَى مَنْ أَسَاءَ إلَيْكَ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ تَعَال Ayat of the Qur'an Sharif that was recited. It's an ayat we are generally all very familiar with. Because every time that we attend a nikah, we hear this being recited in the khutbah of the nikah. possible somebody might have thought that perhaps there's a nikah taking place. Maybe if somebody is ready, we can carry on. In any case, the point is that this ayat is something that is one of the ayat... That is recited in the khutbah of the nikah. This is the ayat which Allah wa Taala addresses all of mankind. Ya nasu rabbakum. O people, fear your Rabb. Many places in the Quran Sharif, when it comes to the aspect of fearing Allah wa Taala, obeying Allah Taala then the attribute of Rabb is brought. Allah Ta'ala is our Rabb. And this is meant to bring within a person that sense of gratitude. That out of sheer gratitude, he should be worshipping Allah Ta'ala alone. If nothing else, then even this natural sense of gratitude should be making him worship only Allah Ta'ala. To be making him be obedient to only Allah Ta'ala. Not to give in to his nafs, but to always be obedient to Allah Ta'ala. Because after all, it's Allah Ta'ala alone that has created him and has nurtured him. Allah alone is sustaining him. Allah alone is his Rabb. Rabb is that being that brings something from its inception to its perfection through the various stages, shay'an for shay'an. So when Allah Ta'ala alone is the Rabb, Allah alone has created us, Allah alone is nurturing us, Allah Ta'ala alone is sustaining us, and all the time we are benefiting from the innumerable bounties of Allah Ta'ala alone, so why should we be obedient to anyone but Him? Why should we worship anyone but Him? Why should we give our loyalty to anyone but Him? And this is something which The na'mats and bounties that we Benefit from all the time Sometimes shaitan whispers this in our heart That mashallah you are doing a lot of ibadat And you deserve a lot Really we don't deserve anything One is our sins What is our sins are our sins Even our righteous actions Are like crimes Because of the manner in which it is done The intentions that are in it, what motives creep into it. So let alone the righteous actions, even our, let alone the sins, even our righteous actions are almost like crimes. So what can we really expect to deserve on the basis of these amal? Let alone the kind of amal that we have. In the Hadith Sharif, there is an incident mentioned that one person from the Bani Israel he made dua to Allah Ta'ala. Allah give me a lifespan of 500 years. In those, that era, people used to have lengthy lifespans. So, Nuh, salatu was salam, more than a thousand years he lived. And this was a common thing. He asked for a lifespan of 500 years in such a manner that he be enabled to dedicate himself entirely to the ibadat of Allah Ta'ala. And for that entire 500 years there must be nothing that distracts him from the ibadat Allah Ta'ala. And on top of that, he made dua that when finally that 500 years pass, and the time comes because everybody has to leave dunya. Whether he has 500 years, he has 1000 years, kullu nafsin zaiqatul mawt. Every single soul will taste that. So eventually the time will come. So he also asked for this, that ya Allah, when my time comes, then Grant me this blessing that I am at that time in Sajda and I pass away in Sajda and in this way my life goes. So in any case, Allah Ta'ala made it possible for him that he ended up on one island. Somehow he made his way through to an island. Nobody no inhabitants on that island. Allah out of his Pudrat caused one pomegranate tree to grow there and one little fountain. He would eat this one pomegranate daily which would come onto this tree and this fountain would provide it, him with the water. And this was sufficient for his nourishment. Allah Ta'ala put the nourishment of everything in it for him. And now he continued making ibadahs for 500 years in this manner. And eventually when his time came he was in Sajda, and he passed away in Sajda. And the Hadith Sharif is mentioned that when he was now brought up to give an account Allah Ta'ala announced to the angels that take him to Jannat with my grace. So this crossed his mind that with the grace of Allah Ta'ala I should go to Jannat, what happened to my 500 years Ibadat? Allah Ta'ala is the know of the hearts. So Allah Ta'ala commanded the angels that now just take him first a little bit close to Jahannam, not in Jahannam. Outside close, from a distance but close. As he was getting closer, the intensity of the heat started making him feel very thirsty. And now this thirst became very intense. And now he is just dying for water. At that time he suddenly sees somebody which was an angel in human form now, passing with a glass of water in his hand. So he says, please give me some water. The person says that, very well, the water you can get but it is not for free. You have to pay for it. So What do I pay for it here? He said you are going to pay The price of this is If somebody can afford it He has that amount He has to pay 500 years of ibadat for it So he said Well I have 500 years of ibadat To my account, take it But I need this water So he took the water So now he was The angels were ordered to bring him back And then Allah said Now take him by my grace He said definitely Allah I have nothing at 500 years, ibadat went away in the exchange of one glass of water. For 500 years, Allah Ta'ala said, you were drinking water every day. So can we pay for any Na'mat of Allah Ta'ala? Can we be ever able to make the shukr as it is required for even one na'mad, let alone everything? And can we still ever harbor such a feeling that we deserved anything? Everything is purely the grace of Allah Ta'ala, purely His mercy, purely His blessing and gift, without us deserving anything of it. So, in any case, this is Allah Ta'ala is saying, Ya Yuhanna min Wahida. That fear your Rabb who created you from one being, meaning the inception of creation, of insan, of the progeny of this human kind. This started off from one human being, in Nafsi waḥida, from Adam And wa khalaqa minha zawjaha. Allah Ta'ala from this one being, from Adam a.s. Created his partner for him. His spouse, Hazrat Hawa, she was created from the rib of Adam a.s. As mentioned in the hadith, the description of which is in Mishkat, etc., that from the rib of Adam, that the was created. Allah says that this is where we created this, the inception of humankind. So, وَخَلَقَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا رِجَالًا كَثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً And then Allah says, we caused this entire human race to spread forth. Millions of men and women, all starting off from this one couple Hazrat Adam Salam and his wife Hazrat Hawwa Radhiyallahu Ta'ala Anha Allah Ta'ala created this entire progeny of theirs and it spread throughout every corner of the world Having mentioned this that Allah Ta'ala is the being that created Adam Salam from Adam Alayhis Salam created Hazrat Hawwa Ta'ala Anha and then this entire mankind human race Allah Ta'ala says now وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامُ That في الله Ta'ala In whose name You ask one another Ask one another For what One is somebody has some is entitled to some right Somebody is owing him something He Whatever other Right he may have from somebody So either he has some influence He has some power He is somebody who has some authority. So he might even take it by force. Because he has all these things to his, on his side. So he might even go and take it by force. Not that that's the right thing to do. But these things happen in dunya unfortunately. And a person sometimes, he'll overstep the mark also. In trying to take what is his right, but he'll overstep the mark. But in any case, if he's within his limits, well and good. But meaning, he'll have some way of getting it. But often, if the situation is where somebody who doesn't have that authority, doesn't have that power, that influence, that strength, that might, now he's still desperate, he needs it. Somebody has usurped his right. So now what does he do? Eventually he starts pleading with the person, for Allah's sake, give me my whatever is due to me. And sometimes, whoever it might be, in some stage of his life, almost everybody ends up using this. Allah Ta'ala says, fear that Allah in whose name you ask for your rights. You ask one another to please be given your rights. So the same Allah who you fear, who you take His name to demand your rights, fear the same Allah in fulfilling the rights of others. When it comes to taking your right, you take His name. In the name of Allah Ta'ala, please I'm begging you, for Allah Ta'ala's sake, I'm begging you, give me what was due to me. So, it came to taking, then now you're invoking Allah Ta'ala. And when it came to giving, you forgot Allah Ta'ala. When it came to fulfilling the rights of others, then you forgot Allah Ta'ala. Whereas the same Allah who granted you the right is the same Allah who granted that person his right. So, for your right, you have this approach and you are immediately taking Allah Ta'ala's name. Why you forgot Allah Ta'ala there? And actually, Deen, our entire Deen is about fulfilling rights. Everything about Deen is about fulfilling rights. Because either Hukukullah or Hukukul Ibad. The rights of Allah Ta'ala or the rights of the servants. And the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala also, due to the right of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has given them that right. Mufti He gives this by means of an example to understand this, that like a person making a phone call, so now he might be phoning his neighbor, maybe they share the same wall also. It's adjoined, the houses are adjoined, he's phoning his neighbor. But when he calls his neighbor, the call doesn't just go directly to the neighbor. Nowadays we'll say it'll go to the tower, previously it was the telephone exchange, That tower has now become like the telephone exchange, whatever it is. But it will go to that point and then come to him. And he'll be replying also, he'll go to the point of that connection point, that exchange or that tower and then it will come to him. So his connection with that neighbor is via that point of connection, not directly. So likewise, the rights that are due to people... That too is due to what Allah Ta'ala has given them. And maintaining those, fulfilling those rights, maintaining those ties, fulfilling those responsibilities that have come upon us due to others, is all because of the command of Allah Ta'ala. So in fulfilling the rights of people, we are first fulfilling Allah Ta'ala's right. So this entire deen is about rights. One is the rights of Allah Ta'ala and then if it comes to the servants of Allah Ta'ala from beginning to end it's rights of parents then rights of brothers and sisters rights of family rights of neighbors rights of people in society rights of the poor rights of the orphans, rights of the widows all around us is rights they say no man is an island We are all living with somebody or the other. We are interacting with people. We are dealing with people all the time. And people all have their rights. The husband has his rights too. The wife has her rights as well. Though the misaj and the temperament of deen is that we have been taught to fulfill our responsibilities, not demand rights. But at the same time, we have been reminded that others have rights. For ourselves, we have been taught this. But with regards to others, we have been taught that they have these rights. And in generally, you will find throughout in the Quran and Sunnah, wherever rights are mentioned, is mentioned in the perspective of what others are due. You will find the children being addressed about the rights of parents. You will not find really the children being addressed, these are your rights of parents being addressed, these are your rights. Allah says, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Addressing children, be kind to your parents. So this is something which, a whole deen is rights. And to the extent that a person will fulfill this hukuk, then he will protect his deen. He'll protect his amal In dunya, in akhirat. Otherwise as a result of trampling the rights of people, He'll lose out in Dunya also, and the biggest tragedy is he'll lose out in akhirat. All these things will be dis- dished, all his amal will be dished out to people in lieu of their rights, which he templed. So Allah Ta'ala is saying Wattakullah Ladi, Tasa bihi wal arham. Fi Allah tala, in whose name you ask one another for your rights. You take your Allah Ta'ala's name, please. For Allah Ta'ala's sake, give me what's due to me. So fi Allah tala. And likewise, wal arham. This word arham is attached to the word Allah. The conjunction atf is on the word Allah. wattaqul arham. Fear Allah Taala, and just as you have been commanded to fear Allah Taala, fear Allah Taala in fulfilling and discharging the rights of relatives. Fear Allah Taala that you do not. Transgress the limits with ter- in terms of the rights of your re- the relationship with people, your family members, kit and kin. Now this manner of expression it sh- itself shows how important this is. Allah saying, fear Allah and be concerned about not causing any kind of deficiency in fulfilling the rights of relatives. And in the Qur'an Sharif, there's so much of emphasis on this, and in the Ahadith as well, that it's really astounding how much of emphasis has been placed on the rights of relatives, of families. The virtues that have been mentioned for this. Whereas unfortunately, nowadays, these things are becoming, if a person, mashallah, is really applying himself in ibadat, he wasn't performing... His salah, mashallah, is performing his salah now, excellent. And he was performing his salah, now he is also making a lot of effort in performing nawafil. He is making a lot of tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. That person also feels, mashallah, in progressing in deen. And indeed, that is a progress. But together with fulfilling his farais, etc., staying away from haram, he may not have been very, very occupied with nawafil. But he is now very concerned about fulfilling the rights of people together with the rights of Allah Ta'ala. And he is ensuring that he is not trampling anybody's rights. He is maintaining family kinship within the limits that deen has set. Many a person even making this effort also doesn't feel I am really progressing in deen. feels well, fine this is something good to do but it is not like the person who is making tilawad the whole night. Whereas this could exceed that. The Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu says that a person can reach the level of a sa'im wal qa'im. Person who fasts every day of his life, nafil fast obviously. Ramadan is farz, apart from that. He's fasting throughout the year and he's spending every night in ibadat, whole night. A person can reach the rank of this person with good akhlaq. On the one side is this effort and exertion that this person has to make and which is a very great thing. We can't imagine the reward for it. But Nabi Salaam is saying that obviously after having fulfilled the obligations of deen, staying away from haram, the person who has good akhlaq he'll reach the rank of this person. Can we imagine the rank of good akhlaq? And above good akhlaq is what is farz akhlaq Meaning that those aspects of character where a person has to adopt that in order to fulfill the rights of people. How great that would be. And a person doing that sometimes, he's doing it all also, maybe much of it, but he doesn't feel within himself also that this too is something that is necessary in deen. Or that this too, mashallah, is Allah taFiq, but it's a very great na'mat and it's something that progresses a person tremendously in deen. He doesn't feel it. And if he read some... If etc. He feels, mashallah, I've done something. And yeah, he doesn't feel anything. This is because of this lack of understanding. Hazrat Mawad Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, very great alim of our recent past, and who was a very, very great historian. He's written volumes on Islamic history. And towards the latter part of his life, he gathered all his family. In fact, now, if somebody tells us that count your family, maybe after counting them on our fingers, we'll still have some spare left. Because we don't know who's a family. Besides half a dozen people, we have no idea who the family is. Whereas in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that تَعَلَّمُوا مِنْ أَنْسَابِكُمْ مَا تَصِلُونَ بِهِ أَرْحَامَكُمْ أو كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم Learn about your lineage and family members, by means of which you can maintain kinship. You can join family ties. Meaning this is such an important thing that you should actually learn and find out which relationships are linking up where. Nowadays as the generations are coming, the newer generation, they have no idea besides just a handful of people because they are in their own world. So, any case, he gathered his whole family and he said to them, look, I have a very important thing to tell you. He says, I have studied the history of all the various nations that have passed, many, many nations. I have studied it in depth. And all the various great families, families that produced great personalities, I have studied their lives as well. And he says, in all this I have seen what has been the means of the rise and fall of these great families. I said in the light of all this that I have seen, and all this that I have understood from the study of this history, I am giving you three pieces of advice. And if you hold on to this very firmly, you will prosper. You will prosper as a family in terms of the production of people who become assets to humanity. People who become assets to their community. People who would become a means of taking insan forward, and you will also be protected, and you will receive the great amount of good in dunya and akhirat. These is three things. From the three, the three things that he mentioned, without going into all the details, one thing he mentioned. He said to them, "Don't ever touch anything haram." He said, "Forget haram, even if it's doubtful, don't touch it." Because what a person consumes is what he becomes. Once the haram gets into the belly, then everything is going to go haywire. He said, don't ever touch any haram, no matter how tempting it might be, meaning how lucrative something might seem, whatever it might be, Don't if it's doubtful also don't take it, don't touch it, leave it. Allah Taala would put barkat in that little, that came in a halal way, and that which seems very, very lucrative, and very tempting, and so on, and very big figures, but if it's not going to come in a halal manner, then it'll just bring greater problems. Then it'll be misery time so much. The number of zeros will be so much of misery. But it comes in a halal way, alhamdulillah, barakat. So that's one point he mentioned to them. The second thing he said to them, he's talking to his immediate family, his extended family. He said to them, don't ever become an oppressor. you rather be the oppressed, meaning if you have a choice, of being one of the two. One is not to be oppressed and not to be an oppressor also. That's ideal. That you're not getting oppressed and you're not oppressing anyone. Allah Ta'ala keep us in afiyat. But don't ever become the oppressor. you rather be the oppressed. Allah Ta'ala is with the oppressed. Because the oppressed person is broken hearted. In the hadith Qudsi Allah Ta'ala says, I'm with the broken hearted person who has been oppressed, he's been hurt, people are trampling him and he's making sabr. He's insan after all. He has a heart. His heart breaks. But he's bearing that with patience, but he's not prepared to do anything that is going to make him cross the line. So he will have the ma'iyad and the togetherness of Allah Ta'ala, the closeness of Allah Ta'ala. And the rewards of the sabr. Says so you rather be the oppressed, but don't be the oppressor, because the oppressor, the oppressor is under the shadow of the wrath of Allah Taala, and any time it could fall, Anytime time everything can just go haywire. Allah Taala respite, Allah Taala clemency, Allah Taala gives a person a chance, but when he persists, then suddenly things just crack, that whoop cracks. So the second thing he mentioned, don't ever be the oppressor, rather be the oppressed. And the third thing which is relevant to the topic that we are discussing, he said, always be good to your family, people, to your kid and kin, regardless of how indifferent they are to you. Regardless of whether the person is good to you or indifferent to you. No matter how indifferent he might be to you, you always be good to him. And this is really that aspect of maintaining family ties that has been mentioned in the Hadith Sharif. That is actually mentioned in the Qur'an Sharif. And the Hadith Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam expands this. لَيْسَ bil mukafi. That the person who has been promised all these great rewards of joining and maintaining family ties is not the one who gives good in return of good. But the one who الَّذِي إِذَا qutiat رَحِيمُهُ when somebody cuts off ties from him, he still goes ahead to f- maintain those ties. This is the person who is wasil. And he is the person who is going to receive all these great bounties from Allah ta'ala. So this maintaining of family ties and relationships is a very big thing. This manner in which is mentioned in this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, this itself highlights how important this is in deen. bihi al-arham. Fear Allah Ta'ala in whose name you ask one another for all your rights. And fear the matter of kinship. That don't do anything against this kinship. So, Abu'l-Hassan Ali, Nabi, al saying to his family that no matter how different your family members are to you, you make sure you are good to them. This is where unfortunately the problem comes. That the problem comes out of expectation. We create expectations and we harbour expectations. Uh, For example, we did some good to somebody. We treated him properly. We treated him with ihsan and kindness. So now already the expectation has come into our side, in our hearts, that he must also do the same with me. After all, I treated him in a positive manner. I treated him with kindness. If I treated him with kindness, then he must do the same. And as soon as we see something that didn't come according to our expectation. I made ihsan on the person and I did favors to him. And that's where unfortunately the other part comes. That first we have the expectation which should not be there. Because we are not doing it for him. We are doing it for Allah. Ta'ala. Again that same example of that connection with the telephone exchange. That the person who is doing some favor to anybody... Why is he doing it? Allah ta'ala has commanded him. So he's actually doing it because of the command of Allah ta'ala. Not because of that person who he is. Allah ta'ala has commanded him. These are your parents, so you make sure you treat them accordingly. These are your family members, you make sure you fulfill their rights. So he's doing it for Allah ta'ala. So why would he be now concerned about how that person is reacting? Because he's doing it for Allah ta'ala. His matter is with Allah Ta'ala. So his matter is with Allah Ta'ala, he'll take his reward from Allah Ta'ala alone. But like the president has phoned somebody that so and so is coming. You just look after him two days, three days, he'll be a guest at your place. I'll sort you out later. Now that simple person came and he spent the two, three days. This person looked after him, fed him, took care of whatever his needs were. Now when the person is going, he's trying to pay him for it. Tell him I don't need your payment. I got the call from the president. So my payment will come from there. I don't need anything from you. My payment is going to... And if I... This is now... I'm actually degrading myself. That What the president has promised me, I want to take from, from you. What can you give me? It's no comparison to what I'll get from there. It's now the president. hears I took it from you. I'm not getting anything from there. So this is actually degrading myself. Expecting it from you. So likewise, a person doing a favor to somebody, he is doing it because Allah has commanded him. And when he, one is now we build these expectations, then the other major sin that comes in it is, that now we did some favor to the person, or we treated him well, and things didn't go according to the expectation. So then what? Now we start giving him reminders. You remember that this, after all, after all this, I did for you, and this is what you, how you carry on. Now I did all this for you. What is it? لا تبطلوا manni بالمني ada Allah Taala says, don't destroy all your sadaqat and in this is all the other righteous actions that good we do to anybody by giving reminders of those favours. By giving reminders, it destroys it. To do a favour to somebody. Something that's on a voluntary level, to do that favor is mustahab. Act of great reward. And to give a reminder thereafter is haram. So if a person is going to not be able to stay away from giving those reminders, he might as well not even do the favor. Because not doing that favor is not a sin. But giving that reminder is haram. That's a sin, major sin. The Quran Sharif is forbidding it. لا صدقاتكم بالمني so first we create their expectation. And we created their expectation because we forgot what is the motive for doing it. Because the motive is only the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has commanded. So if I am good to my parents, why should I expect anything in return? After all, their son on me is beyond everything. In any human, from any human. And this is Allah Ta'ala's command on me. So why should I expect anything in return? If I did something for some family person, Allah Ta'ala's command. So if I didn't get anything, if I got something negative in return also, I didn't do it for the good treatment in return. I did it for Allah Ta'ala. So he said to them, please don't ever, he said always be good to your relatives, no matter how indifferent they may be to you. And this was something he practiced upon himself. His relatives used to mention, it became quite a common thing among them. That they would joke about it, that if somebody wants mitai, some sweetmeats, then you must go and talk harshly tomorrow. And this would be something that would happen without fail. Somebody came and they said something harshly, spoke to him abruptly, abruptly he listened quietly, before the person left he'll have something to give him. He will not leave without having taken some hadiya and gone. This is what is meant by this hadith sharif where Rasulullah Wasallam says, Sil man qata'ak man ila man asa'a ilayk. join ties with the one who cuts off ties from you. Qata'ak. forgive the one who has oppressed you. And do good in return to those who have treated you badly. This is the teaching of Rasulullah Wasallam. This is what he lived. This is what he thought. Allah wa ta'ala, give us a tawfiq that we bring all these teachings of deen in our lives and we live the akhlaq that Rasulullah s.a.w. has taught us wa akhira da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil